Today, every day, small cap investors visit Agoracom knowing this is the day to discover the world's next great company to have their dreams come true. That's why I take to the open road to find them, to tell their stories, to engage them, to bring them to life because they want to connect with you from your office, your phone, your home, anywhere. Agoracom, find your dream. Welcome to Beyond the Press Release, a production of Gorecom, in which we take the time to speak with small cap CEOs right after they put out important news. And today was a big one. We're happy to have him back, Steve McCauley. He's CEO of Empower Clinics. The company trades on the CSC under the stock symbol CBDT for our friends in the US under uh, on the OTCQB under EPWCF and for our friends in Europe on Frankfurt under 8EC. Now, for those of you who are new to the story, that's going to be a lot of you because most of you people are tuning in because the company closed up 76.9% today on over 25 million shares and the company's got a ton of interest. But this is what you should know before we go into the interview. Uh, Empower is a vertically integrated CBD life sciences company, essentially with a multi-state, they're a multi-state operator of medical health and wellness clinics. Some of the numbers behind the company are great. 165,000 patients in their database. Patient visit growth to their clinics, Q4 was up 351%. Q1 2020 was up 478%. Clinical revenues are up 130% for Q3, up 188% in January. Bottom line is they're hitting it out of the park. But the big news today that led to this massive move in the market, and I'm gonna read the headline, Empower Clinics commences coronavirus COVID-19 antibody testing and establishes national rollout plan signing supply agreements for rapid COVID-19. Steve, welcome back to the show. Thank you, George. Always good to be on with you. We've got a lot to talk about today. Yeah, a lot. I mean, we just had you on on April the 14th, which with great news, some great things going on there. This came out of nowhere, but congratulations, first of all, you're the overnight 16-month success story because you took over this company 16 months ago under some pretty precarious circumstances. Before we get into the details of this press release, how do you guys feel over Empower today? Uh, you know, we feel great. I mean, it's, it's wonderful to have, you know, a market response like we saw today. Uh, you know, I anticipated that uh, it had the potential to be strong, but, you know, seeing that kind of liquidity go through, you know, that's, that's uh, you know, never before in the history of the company uh, have we traded, you know, in excess of 20 million shares in a day? You know, I think we've had times when I've been able to get it to run to, you know, 5 million shares in a day, but this is kind of next level. Uh, and what's nice is that we actually got, you know, very strong lift in price that the markets haven't seen, certainly not in the medical cannabis space or, you know, the cannabis industry overall of late. So you know, I've been really working hard to try to separate us to have people out there in the investment community recognize that we're here and that there's maybe some unique characteristics about what we're doing that you want to follow and and be part of well for a long time you were almost the boring story clinics people walking in physicians uh you know these meet, meetings appointments going on prescriptions sounds like 
that's not sexy enough. But as everybody's, everybody else's business plans, not everybody, most business plans were falling apart because they weren't executing you, who, by the way, for everyone at home, probably doesn't know this, you, a Six Sigma certified CEO under Jack Welch back at General Electric, you just moved this along methodically and have, and have built a fantastic business before we even got to today. So let's talk about today because this takes you, potentially to a whole new level. Yeah. Uh, first thing, antibody test, antibody testing. We all hear a lot about that. We're not going to get down in, in the science of it today, but in layman's terms, because we've all heard it, but I don't think we all understand what it means. What is antibody testing that made you go this route? So people are probably been familiar as we see it on the news um, over the last few months of the swab based tests. So they call them a PCR test and uh, can either be a throat swab or a nasal swab. Um, they are kind of fraught with uh, uh, the potential of false positives, a lot of moving parts because it goes from person taking the swab to a lab and then lab technicians have to work with it. So, and it's not as scalable as is required because mass testing is ultimately required in our society. The next type of test is a blood-based test and it can be done as a blood draw uh, that you, you, you know, we happen you know, through our clinics uh, every day, um, or it's a finger prick uh, test to uh, get a blood drop, somewhat similar to what you would do if you were a diabetic patient. So it is looking for uh, antibodies. Um, the test itself is called a colonial, uh, a colonial gold-based test that is identifying uh, antibodies in your blood and therefore, if you have those antibodies present, which one is uh, these proteins present, one called IMG and one called IgG, then you have either actively have uh, COVID-19 um, or you've had it recovered and you have antibodies. And so these new tests um, are using blood um, to uh, identify uh, you know, the result and there's a new version on the market that we're bringing to market here, you know, in the U.S. right now, which is called the rapid COVID-19 test. And for everyone at home, stay tuned. A little bit of foreshadowing. You're actually going to see the test uh, on screen for the first time. I've, I saw it pre-taping and it's amazing. Let's go into the business side of this. Look, Steve, you're incredibly qualified, more than anybody probably in the small cap space, to deploy something of this magnitude efficiently, professionally, and economically viably at the end of the day, but it is a brand new business, is it not? So what do you know about the profitability, about, about its viability that will actually benefit the company in the long run? Because how much do we know about the economics of something like this? Sure, so um, let's, let's preface this by saying, um, this is not a brand new business. Uh, we are not a brand new business. Um, we are operational, I've got 75 employees. Uh, physicians, administrators, course, you know, yeah. uh, management staff, clinic assets, telemedicine platform, and, and great technology layer. So the business is not new. What we're doing is we're leveraging our assets and we're adding an additional service offering and an additional product that goes along with it, right? Very distinctly different, uh, uh, sorry, characterization. So, um, you know, the economics um, are are straightforward. You know, we are buying uh, uh, through supply agreements access to uh, these rapid test kits. Um, we are deploying the test using initially our personnel, so our clinic uh, staff in our clinics, 
and uh, also on, on a drive up uh, basis. And we'll talk more about uh, right. how these phases play out. And so we are then marking up the service and the product and making it available to the public. So we have to account for a cost of goods sold. We have to account for labor, uh, PPE, uh, profitability or gross margin. And then we come up with a pricing uh, offer that we take to market that we feel is fair, it's competitive and uh, still sustainable and still makes sense economically for us as a public company. And, and fair may be the keyest word of all those in there because you wanna make sure you know, you're nowhere close to even the appearance of price gouging. So you wanna charge a, a fair price that's gonna you know, that's going to be determined by demand without, without going overboard. But let's yeah. talk about the phases because each one of those, first of all, I love the fact because we've seen some companies, I don't want to harp on that, but we've seen some companies kind of delve into this in their press releases. And I think some of them are doing it just to try and ride, you know, ride this wave, right? They, uh, there's, they, they don't all look that authentic. What I love about what you've done here is you've broke it down to these four phases which tells me you clearly have it already laid out. You're not saying, yeah, George, we're bringing them in and we're going to be testing people. But they all have very different profitability, looks like. So let's go through them. Phase one, right, is going to be in clinic. People get tested in your clinic. You send the results out and they come back in 48 hours. Uh, phase two, and we'll just go through phase one, two, four. That's in clinic, but you drive up and you get your results in 15 minutes. So just those two models are very different because you have to send them out to another lab. That's an added expense in the, in the second phase. You actually talk to me about the economics of, of each of those and how that changes your pricing. Will, will your pricing sure. be changing? Uh, yeah. So the short answer is, is it will. So the economics are different. So phase one, uh, and, and again, it was crucially important for me to ensure that, you know, we know that we can walk before we run. You know, we, the, the big mistake that we would make is saying that we're, we can do too much and we under deliver. And I don't want to under deliver to our employees or uh, to patients. I don't want to under deliver, uh, over promise and under deliver to the market. So I needed to make sure that we had a structured rollout plan so that we can learn along the way before we jump into this concept of you know, nationwide rollout and, and what that actually entails. Which I give you credit for, by the way, because most, a lot of, you know, my experience, a lot of small cap companies would uh, fall right into that temptation and just want to go big right off the bat rather than having the patience to roll out, learn, roll out, learn, roll out. Yeah, I mean, what was most important, uh, what was important for me in how we've announced this and even the timing of it was I was not prepared and I would not allow our team uh, to get ahead of ourselves, meaning I did not want to put out a press release for the sake of putting out a press release such as, hey, we're thinking about working on a COVID-19 program and maybe it never materializes. Yeah. So we've been working on this um, with urgency because it's an urgent societal matter. And I believe that we're as equipped as any group to be able to deploy this. Yeah. So to me, it was, we had to come up with a solution. We, we were negotiating these supply agreements for the rapid COVID-19 test kits over the last um, uh, uh, period of time. But what we had already developed is uh, a working relationship with a lab that we currently use 
for other types of laboratory services. Um, this is one, this lab is one of the FDA approved labs for COVID-19 testing and, and they've submitted um, their lab processes so they um, are authorized for use under the Emergency Use Act. So it's a valid lab, high quality, we know them and they know us. So phase one for us was how do we use our clinics, our physicians, our clinicians and our locations to start a pilot in our Phoenix market where we have a concentration of, of staff and, uh, and, and clinic right. operations. So the first one is a blood draw. You need a physician's recommendation or referral to initiate a blood draw. And so this is uh, uh, someone, a patient would uh, register, um, book their appointment, they will come in and they will see one of our clinicians who will draw a sample of blood uh, that will be stored. And this can be a vial, right? Not, not a be, pinprick, we're correct. talking vial. It's gonna be a, a vial of blood. Um, that will be packaged up um, correctly and then sent to our laboratory for the, the actual COVID-19 antibody test that they will be running. Um, their results come back usually somewhere between 24 and 48 hours. Uh, the results will be shared with the patient and they'll be shared back with us for tracking because we're tracking all of this data also. So that's phase one for us. Phase one has two components. You may elect as a patient to come to our clinic location, or you may choose not to. Either you don't want to, or you're not able. In that particular case, we will dispatch the clinical worker to go to your doorstep to do the blood draw. And we call it doorstep because we don't want to enter people's homes. Um, the clinicians will have full PPE, um, whether it's in clinic or on the doorstep, uh, but the result is the same. Um, you're able to register with us, get your appointment, uh, pay for the, the appointment and test, and get your COVID-19 results. And the great thing about doorstep in a place like Arizona is you can go doorstep pretty much year-round as opposed yeah. to doing it in Toronto where I am. So I, I like that. Yeah. Phase two seems, uh, you know, that's the one that we've all seen on TV. Basically, we've watched South Korea drive up. Someone gets a test right there they get the results in one to 15 minutes. I mean, that's, that's going to be a much bigger, I like a, phase one is great because you're going to learn small steps. Phase two is where it accelerates. So um, how difficult is that going to be? Because I'm expecting to see cars lined up as far as the eye can see, just like we see, just like we see in South Korea. You guys are ready for that? Yeah, so we're, we're getting ourselves ready. So the um, so phase two is utilizing uh, the rapid COVID-19 uh, antibody test. And uh, so I have uh, a preliminary shipment that's arriving later this week uh, to our clinics in Arizona for that first initial run. Um, we will probably start opening up to taking appointments uh, within the next couple of days, uh, only because I know where the supply is coming from. We'll be placing an additional larger order of kits for a next wave uh, of uh, pilot program uh, toward the end of this coming week. And I've got about a seven to 10 day lead time from manufacturer to landing at our doorstep ready for operation. Two styles in, in this approach as well. One is drive up. So instead of going into our clinic, uh, you simply will yep. drive up. We are working on the logistics of the parking lots. We're working with our landlords. Uh, for traffic control, you would uh, simply drive up and stay in your car. A clinician will uh, come to you. You 
you have your appointment, you have your reference number, you identify yourself, we fill in uh, the additional paperwork, and the test is administered, results anywhere from one to 15 minutes. Uh, we will document the result, um, give the documentation to you so you know exactly uh, what you know, your status is, and then you would go ahead and, and leave. Uh, we expect that you know, families will drive up together. Um, yeah, that's uh, going to be the one that really breaks out the volume, right? That's going to be the mass one right there. At well, I mean, I think, I think there's more uh, mass volume coming in other phases, but this next phase um, that's the of, beginning the, of, it, right. of the drive up, uh, what we also will do as part of phase two is drive to your doorstep. So we are creating a model right now using a network, again, of our clinicians. They have to be our clinicians. They have to be trained by us. Um, and uh, we're hiring uh, staff for this right now. And they will each day have their list of appointments uh, in a particular geography. And they would then go to uh, the doorstep of the patient who's purchased the uh, test and selected an appointment and conduct the test on the doorstep, fill out the paperwork and results in the exact same way as if they come to our drive up version. Now you've got this is, this, is, this is the fun part for me. You've actually got a rapid COVID-19 antibody test uh, kit with you right now. I, I used it for, for your own test that you did on Facebook, but still, let's, let's see some of those components. So everyone got an idea, everyone at home get an idea of, you know, gen, generally speaking, what it's going to look like. Yeah, so I'll give you this, this, this packet is open, as you can see. So this was um, a sample kit that uh, was sent to me last week by one of our manufacturers. It's, uh, it's sealed um, and sterile uh, environment while it's shipped. Uh, inside, you'll have um, an, an alcohol swab in a packet. There'll be, and I, I, mine's contaminated, so I won't show those to you now. But the main things that you have are, this is the actual um, COVID-19 uh, antibody. Look at that, look at that's the first time. I mean, I saw it a couple minutes ago. That's probably the first time most people are seeing at home. And what we're seeing, uh, Steve, I can say it, is in the bottom, that red droplet, that's your blood. Right? Yes, this, this test, you know, this is a contaminated one because it's mine and, it, and it's been utilized. So um, if you want to see what the testing procedure looks like, you can go to my Facebook page um, from a few days ago and I shot a video of me conducting the test and then um, announcing my results, which are negative. And um, which, by the way, shows there because they're negative. So I see a line, and there are three. There are three choices: C, IgG, IgM. You've got the line at C. What is? Uh, yeah. So, so what happens? So the, the test itself is going to provide you with one of three results. One, you're negative. You uh, you simply have not contracted the virus in any form. Two, you are showing the proteins uh, of of uh, in your blood indicating that the virus is there, uh, so meaning active, and then so you're three, infected. you're showing an additional protein, which is actually indicates there's an antibody in your system. And so what that is indicating to you is that you previously did contract the virus, but now you have uh, the indicators of an antibody. And in theory, we're going to, that, that should mean that you shouldn't be able to get the uh, virus again in the future, but there's more science uh, on that. But at least it tells you yeah. your immunity status um, and for your own you know, purposes, for your families, and, and then you know, as we get into phase three, the importance of the economy and getting back to work. 
So in, in a simple you know, procedure, what happens is I take a blood draw. So included in our kit is a little small lancet. So it, it comes with a cap on it. And uh, inside there, there's a little tiny uh, fine gauge, uh, little blade. It works the same way uh, that a diabetic uh, pin prick on your finger would work. Uh, I've, I've got the cover on right now, but you, without the cover, you would depress that on your fingertip. It's, uh, it's painless. Um, it uh, makes a tiny little uh, pin prick, uh, initiates a little bit of drop, uh, blood. And then there's a dropper that you take that blood uh, sample into and then that is then put into uh, the little small uh, area at the bottom, followed by inserting uh, two drops of, of an activator uh, liquid, uh, which has uh, now been utilized in my test kit, so I can't show it to you. And then you, you wait. How and, long did it take for your result to come back? Because it's between uh, one and 15 minutes. How long did yours take? Uh, it took slightly less than two minutes. Were you nervous? By the way, I mean, side note, yo, were you nervous? And which one were you hoping for? Were you hoping for the all clear or were you hoping for the you've had it and now you've got the antibody? Because I might think I might want the, the you, you might want the you might want the antibody. You know, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm happy that, you know, it's it's negative. I mean, I was uh, traveling, you know, extensively in the United States. And, and as this was uh, all coming about and our, our get back home order, you know, sort of came up. So I came back up home. I actually drove back, uh, didn't take a flight. And, uh, but then I went into the self-imposed 14 day uh, quarantine. And, and we've really just been isolated to family uh, since that point in time. Um, we're practicing extensive social distancing. Um, we're practicing extensive use of hand washing and using hand sanitizer sprays and uh, really just increasing our awareness of, of general hygiene on surfaces. And, you know, frankly, we're very, uh, you know, careful with our, our kids and family um, about visits and things like that right now. But the, um, but the most important thing of showing that demo, by the way, the all clear health is fantastic, of course, yeah. but fervent at home, the most important thing is it's really doable. Uh, it's not some really complicated test that if you had to do it on your own at home, if you ordered it, you wouldn't be able to do. I think most of us would be able to pull that off. So yeah, you know, putting and, and, that into a way that we can all see it and understand it is, is great, Steve. Yeah, but I think, I think so I, I want to also be clear about something though. This, this is not the home-based test that no, no. we're seeing a lot of rhetoric on uh, different news stations or you know, uh, national news programs in, in the US and, and, and a bit in Canada. So don't necessarily compare this test to what they're talking about and assume that's the exact same thing because it's not. Um, what this provides is scalability. Um, you can see that the materials of the test kit um, are plastic in, in design, um, they're, they're light, they're inexpensive, and uh, they can be mass made by these manufacturing plants. And uh, it's, I believe the private sector has to play a huge role in getting these tests to market because as we go towards our phase three and my phase three version is what I'm kind of coining as the uh, business employee testing program or, or BET for short, um, we have to get this economy back to work. But how is an employer or an institution Absolutely. or a care home going to have the confidence to bring their base of people back together in more confined spaces? Well, there's only one way, and that is 
testing for the entire employee base, and on top of that, regular testing. So we have already created a subscription program for businesses. Yeah, so Revenue at Home, by the way, phase three is the business program where they're offering the rapid COVID-19 test to businesses on either one time, repeat, subscription, right? And uh, as you, most of you at home would probably guess, that's going to be, that's going to be in big demand. It, it is. And, you know, there's, there's operational efficiency to it as well. You know, when you think about the operational programs of phase one and phase two, you know, there's some logistics there that have to be, you know, created and, and managed. And, and we're great at operations. So I'm, I'm very comfortable with that aspect of, of uh, the delivery of this service. Sure. Six Sigma CEO. Yeah. The efficiency of the business program is I can deploy one of my clinicians to a place of business, we set up a testing station, um, whatever that might look like uh, in an office somewhere, and we can have an entire employee base. It, it could be five people to a thousand people. You know, we just deploy more clinicians. Um, as long as we have an ample supply of the test kits, then we can deploy multiple trained clinicians to conduct tests capture the data and report that back to the uh, administration and HR of the business or the facility or the institution or the care home. And and phase three is my favorite one from a business point of view as a shareholder, because that's the one that has the most scale. It's like you said, you can deploy George to go to ABC widgets and George can theoretically test. I'm not sure what the numbers are, but multiple people, 50, 125, 50, hundred people then say, okay, George, after ABC widgets, go to XYZ technologies and businesses right. will, I'm not sure if you're going to be asking, but we'll probably pay a premium, right? They'll probably pay yeah, a premium I mean, for, for and I, I don't know. I don't necessarily know whether it's, whether there's a premium to be had here or not. I don't even know if that's even necessary. Um, what the, the business side of it, what, uh, you know, altruistically, I want to be an active part, participant in helping our economy get back to work. I, you know, no one wants to see what's happening uh, in our uh, economy globally, never mind, you know, in our neighborhood uh, right now. So I'm as motivated as anyone to assist to get that back. We just happen to have a program and assets and operational know-how to help. You know, we won't be the ultimate solution, but we certainly will be one of the contributing solutions to getting this done. And what I like about it is we have the manpower know-how and technology right. to scale this up. And from a business standpoint, it also makes good business sense because we've done a really nice job in getting these supply agreements in place with FDA um, approved manufacturers. Because uh, again, no shortcuts here. We, we have yeah, to- Yeah, this isn't George, Bob and Mary saying, let's buy a bunch of these on Alibaba and start plucking pricking people's fingers all over the place. There's a real, there's a real professional, almost military grade rollout here to how this is going to Well, there, there is. I mean, I, I was not prepared to, supply, to sign a supply agreement with a manufacturer uh, unless I had all of their data. I mean, I've got the material that they've submitted to the FDA. You know, we've, we've done oh, the diligence. Oh, okay. we, we've seen their registration. We know what their registration dates are on submissions with the FDA. We know what their FDA tracking numbers are um, for uh, the FDA, you know, approval work that's, that gets done. So appropriate due diligence has been done. Uh, we know the manufacturers are the big guys. Uh, our one manufacturer uh, called uh, Liveson, 
um, is uh, endorsed by the World Health Organization uh, for the rapid uh, COVID-19 rapid, COVID rapid tests. These are the most legitimate manufacturers uh, that we're utilizing. Now, this is where I want to play devil's advocate, too. Uh, because look, I love this press release I, I, and I love the way you've done things. So I have a high degree of confidence that you're going to be able to execute everything that's in your control. But I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Sure. One, you're right. They, they are one of the most uh, well-recognized, well-respected manufacturers out there. Devil's advocate. Doesn't that potentially cause a problem for you though? Because everyone's going to be calling on them. And there are a thousand Steve McCauley's in countries all over the world that are going to want it. And does that potentially lead to you getting choked out of supply? So, I mean, there's, I think there is some sort of uh, volume risk uh, related to that. I can tell you that with the, the one manufacturer, um, the, the distributor that we work with have the distribution rights for the United States and Canada. Uh, so the manufacturer uh, is not going to be going into the market and trying to service the market themselves. They're serving it through distribution. All right. So they can't suddenly get a call from George who sees this press release says, Hey, I want to order a hundred thousand of these and I'll pay 10% more than empower clinics. So that's my, that was my concern. The flip side, it's that you may be a victim of your own success. Yeah. And certainly, and that, that's, you know, per perhaps as a possibility, I think for, for us, um, empower clinics, the public company. I mean, the, these manufacturers are making literally hundreds of thousands of these kits per day. So we're talking millions of kits per All right. month. More than you could test, even if you had everything we, in control we, for we now as, anyways. Yeah. We as an entity, um, don't have the ability to deal with a million tests in a month. I mean, I mean that if, if we did at some point, then that would be uh, spectacular. Uh, but you know, uh, I'm ambitious, but you know, then there's, then there's, you know, the potential of ridiculous. So we, you know, again, we, we take our steps. I would like to think that we will absolutely be doing hundreds of thousands of tests in the very near future. I'm, and I'm glad you said that because I was about to ask you, do you have a sense of your capacity? I know you can't make a projection or a prediction, but, you know, we're talking a thousand a day or maybe or 10, 20,000, 50,000 a day or what? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, you know, right now in our, our phase one, which is pilot, uh, we've got we've ran capacity models in our clinics because you have to remember that we have our other services. Right. And so what we're doing is we're looking at hours of operation where we don't have crossover and we're opening up earlier we're staying open later and we're utilizing weekends um, in different uh, ways so that our capacities of existing services that we provide to our patients continue without disruption um, we do believe that our database of 165,000 patients um, are going to be you uh, yeah. COVID-19 test candidates. Um, so hey, my family got that email from you today and I don't live in Arizona. But my family got that email from me. The first thing my wife would say is, hey, look, we can go to Empower Clinics and we can get tested. How fast can we get there? Yeah, exactly. Like That's get, the, exactly appointment, what's gonna happen. get the appointment right now, get in the queue and, and, and yeah. let it go. So we know that. I mean, uh, this is this is day one of go live. And I, I can confirm um, for you, we did COVID-19 tests today. Um, okay. Uh, that's that's a new one. Yeah. I didn't know about that. So, yeah. so just we, more I mean, testing though, more like beta testing to make sure nope. you got the process down or you're going or you're starting nope. that first nope. gear, second gear wind up. 
the, these, these, these are not internal mock, mock runs or things like that. This is nice. literally uh, external patients uh, heard about it, came to us through um, the call center. The call center directed them to uh, the website. They filled in the form, selected their appointment, paid their $250 for phase one testing, and they've got their appointments done. Side note, and because I want to hop onto a couple of other potential pitfalls, I want to make sure investors, because I can feel them almost asking, but that $250 for the phase one is probably a lot more expensive because you got sent out to a lab and yeah, get so result back as opposed yeah, to doing so, it on the spot with a rapid test. Yeah, correct. So you've got um, more uh, costs associated with it because we have, a, true, of course. We have a, a phlebotomist who uh, actually does the blood draw. Um, we have the physician and you require a physician's consultation in order to initiate the blood draw. We have the third party lab um, that we have to <coughs> send the uh, sample to, have them run the test and have them give back the test results. Yeah. So it's a clunkier process, more expensive for sure. Yeah, so, so it's, it's, uh, it's a little bit more clunky, not terrible. Um, and and not, uh, by the way, not because not it's your fault, but it's just when you draw blood, these are the things you have to do. That's if you, unless you're doing it, you know, behind an alley somewhere. Where, yeah, you know, and, and you, have to keep, you have to keep in mind too that, you know, we yep. have to operate within HIPAA compliance uh, in the United States. We need to rec uh, uh, make sure that we're in compliance with any medical board requirements in a particular state. Uh, and again, I'm just not going to get sideways on, on these details uh, because it's just not an appropriate way to run things. We're going to, if we're going to do something, we will do it to the letter of the law. We'll do it correctly. We'll, we'll abide by the rules. Um, so, but we, we have a product and a service that's in market right now in our that, clinic. But that's exciting that you've already started phase one. Yeah. A yeah. couple of other pitfalls I want to ask you. Isn't government, isn't the government competition at the end of the day? I mean, we, we, we watch the president and his advisors on have the daily conferences. We, we see governor Cuomo and other governors. Aren't they going to be your competition at the end of the day? Do you even have a business or is there, or, or, or are you potentially uh, dead on arrival because you got to compete against the government? So there are 350 million people in the United States, just to begin with, right? 350 million people. Um, there are 26 million people, I think, over the last three to four weeks in the U.S. that have applied for unemployment insurance. Um, you know, the United States needs to get back to work. You know, the, the Canada needs to get back to work, but we have to protect the health um, of our system and our citizens and, and figure that out. The only way to resolve this and get it going is we have to have testing. I believe there is ample room. Again, we've listened to federal state officials in the United States who have clearly said on CNN and other major channels is that government can't make this work on a testing basis. Private sector will need to help figure it out. So I believe that the okay. total addressable market for this service in the United States is so enormous, keeping in mind that this is not a one-time test and done. Think of our phase three. Businesses will not be able to operate with confidence unless they are able to demonstrate internally and then ultimately externally. And, and let me, you know, let's me... become a marketing tool, Steve, right? Uh, come to, come to George's place because we test everyone once every two weeks. And Steve's gonna say, come to my place because I test my, my employees every week. 
Yeah. So I, as an example, so I've got a vision. Let's just take an industry that, that, that we're familiar with, uh, which is hospitality and, and hotels. You know, I'm getting back to the concept of traveling as a consumer. And I see Hotel A has a banner that says, you know, we test all employees weekly for COVID-19. Um, Hotel B has nothing and can't answer the question when a guest calls in to try to book. It's my belief that businesses who actually will, will use this to help get their economy back. One, they need to keep their own employee base safe. Two, if they're customer facing, they need to keep the uh, customers that they serve safe. Three, if they wanna get customers to show up, they're going to have to demonstrate to those customers that they're actively doing something about it. And we don't know how long this will last, but this is going to be well into 2021 and it might be 2022. Yeah. And God forbid something else shows up, uh, you know, that has pandemic life. Don't even say it. Right? Don't even oh say it. But just, yeah, this alone is going to be at least another nine or 12 months because until we can get vaccinated, this is going to have to take place. Yeah, we know vac a vaccine is not even going to be available for potentially 12 to 18 months. And even if then, it's how does it get into the hands of mass markets. So then you have a distribution problem. I guess at that point, I mean, we're jumping ahead here, but I'm just thinking aloud. Does that then become another business potentially down the road for Empower where you're deploying vaccinations because you've got clinics and you've got this whole setup and you've already had the customers at ABC widgets and you call back George and say, hey, George, we can come back, but instead of testing, yeah. We're going to vaccinate everybody for you. Well, and we, and we also now imagine one of the things that we haven't talked about, but I've had it in the back of my mind since the get-go on, on this initiative, is every single uh, consumer slash patient who comes to us has to register on our website. Um, I anticipate we are going to be generating hundreds of thousands and potentially into the millions of email addresses and names and phone numbers that we have to obviously keep private um, through you know, privacy requirements, but these are now active customers of ours that if additional services in the future, such as testing or such as the concept of a vaccine service and you know, who, who knows what else it might be, I know that we are going to be building a large and valuable right, database right. Wow. of consumers wow. as a byproduct of this service. Which is why it's now, I mean, not now they see it, but it was always clear, but there's the extra double, triple, quadruple incentive to make sure your processors are so bulletproof that George says, hey, when I got to go back for another test, there's no question I'm going back to Empower. If I got to get vaccinated, I'm going back there because uh, that that's almost going to assure repeat business. One more pitfall sure. that I want to potentially talk about, which is financing, the cash flow specifically, the more successful a company is, let's face it, there's a reason why we watch Shark Tank, right? Guy, ABC Widgets comes on and says, my biggest problem is I'm selling 100,000 widgets. Why is that a problem? Well, I got to pay for them up front, but I got to wait for Walmart to pay me 90 days later. Yeah, yeah. Can you potentially become a victim of your own success there as well in terms of uh, cash flow? Well, I think I make a very important uh, statement here for all of your listeners. Everything that we're doing related to these services is COD. Uh, so we are uh, paid up front. Um, it is our intention uh, to not offer payment terms to businesses in, in phase three. Um, the demand is so high 
Uh, and you're right, we have to protect the cash flow. So we're cash flowing the wholesale purchase of the kits themselves. The labor is absorbed in our you know, biweekly payroll. It's already there anyways. And we have you know, third-party costs like PPE, marketing, uh, things like that. But to the extent that it's absorbed through the cash flow cycle, meaning that, again, these first appointments, we're not out of pocket on any appointment because the appointment is paid for online in advance of even showing up. So especially the businesses. So you go do a hundred of George's employees at ABC widgets. You don't have to worry about collecting 30 days later and George gone out of business because of the coronavirus. And you're getting all those paid a couple of days in advance. You're paid before you get to the door. Absolutely. It's the only way that that this is going to sustain itself. And, And frankly, you know, I can be fairly firm on that because I know that the demand is so high. Um, the other um, format that we have under the uh, phase three um, BET program is uh, a subscription program. So, you know, there's going to be, you know, an, uh, a business might right. determine for themselves that due to the nature of their business, whatever it might be, their frequency of repeat testing is biweekly. So your hotel example earlier that you brought up. A perfect example. And say, we want you back every 10 days. Exactly. And so what we do then is we set up a subscription uh, program with them. But again, this is advanced pay. Um, I'm just not going to be in the business um, of cash flowing this. Um, there's too much risk associated with that right sure, now. Sure, because the very nature of the testing is because businesses don't have the cash flow and they're not operating at full capacity. You can't take that receivable risk yeah, and then yeah, find out not- that 50% of your customers don't have the cash flow. Yeah, we're not taking the receivables risk. And so the early entrance um, for us, and again, why we want to pilot is, is very much about cash flow. Like I, I can't, uh, you know, we're not going to go and try to buy, you know, 2 million kits right now and, and warehouse them and inventory them. We're going to phase into it. I've got um, a uh, small purchase uh, that's happening, uh, like as we speak. I've got another uh, PO that goes later in the week where I'll get another 5,000 units ordered. Again, we'll put that into our supply chain and we're gonna turn those over quickly. I mean, I have orders, I have verbal orders in the tens of thousands right now from businesses. So, you know, we know that the demand is there. Can you start taking deposits? Would you actually start taking deposits or would it be too early to say, okay, George, if you wanna be on the list, I know you, I like you, but you want me to test everyone at Agoracom, you're gonna have to send me a deposit. Yeah, so we're, we're going to do that in kind of uh, two, uh, two ways. One, we're going to do the consumer version um, where we'll open up phase two registration, um, get on the list, uh, put a deposit down. You'll be at the beginning of the line and just build a base there. And then two, we absolutely will start, um, and, and it might be you know, really toward the end of this week, um, uh, we would start taking um, you know, order requests and again, deposits from businesses because they want to be at the front of the line, at the front of the queue when our capacity starts to come online. And this culminates in my last question. So thanks for dealing with the risk factors because look, client, friends, doesn't matter. I've got to ask you the questions that investors are thinking about at home. I can't be, that's why I want to address whether you got a potential supply crunch, whether the government becomes your customer, whether you run into cash, your competitor, sorry, whether the, you, you, you get a cash flow crunch. People have to know that, right? And I'm glad you, had. so now let's talk, let's talk big picture. I know you can't make projections about phase four is the national rollout, which I'm gonna assume 
is uh, and because we want to be short on time too, but I'm assuming that the national role is really going to be a B2B, at least to begin with, because it'd be hard to get to Bob and Mary and John and Joe in Minnesota and Texas. Yeah. And so on. Yeah. So, so the, the, but how big can this get? Like Steve, and, you and, you're, and you're right. You're right. So yeah. if you think how this scales and if you, you know, I, I thought long and hard about our phases and what was possible, what was realistic in a rollout. And the concept of nationwide, what does that really mean when there's 350 million Americans? So uh, within our capability, um, transitioning phase three to phase four is a really natural uh, widening yeah. of reach. Right. Because it, let's say that we, we're, we are initiating phase three in, uh, in greater Phoenix because that's where our footprint is right now. How does that start to evolve out? Well, I have to create the deployment networks and the partner clinicians to be able to uh, train appropriately. And we can centralize the service of call center, you know, email correspondence and you know, website for registration. That part is, all, is easy for us to do. We do it today, every day, anyhow. Um, but then it's just taking at a level, by the way, I have to add, because there are gonna be a lot of new people watching this at a level that most companies, cause I've seen it, I've understood, aren't able to execute at You don't just have a simple website with a form and a call a number. I mean, you've gone back again to your extensive training. You've got this down to a science. Yeah, we do. You know, listen, we are, we are, uh, very strong at the operations layer. We have tremendous technology. Uh, we've got an amazing EMR system. We've got a, a spectacular telehealth system for telemedicine. Uh, we have uh, a text message platform. We have an email campaign platform. We have a call center. And so we're using all of the technological methods to ensure that the patient experience is smooth, that it's comfortable, that people show up for their appointments because we use appointment reminders. <clears throat> all of these tools are assets that we already have in place. What we're doing, we're leveraging these assets with this COVID-19 product and service. And we're taking a measured and careful pilot to phase two, to phase three, to potentially pay phase four approach to this so that we don't trip. Um, we work within our means, um, I'll be happy to work within our means. And if it scales, uh, in a manner that I believe that it can, then I believe, you know, then, you, you know, we're looking at, you know, a quantum scale business that doesn't resemble anything to what we are right yeah, now. Yeah, because I've been trying to kind of run the numbers in my head as we've, as we've been talking. And I don't think it'd be fair if I asked you if you had a number and I don't think you'd be allowed to say a number. It's too uh, early. It's too early. Yeah, it's, but, it's no, too, you know, our, you think our, at some point you've modeled it out. You've modeled, I know, and I know you, if anyone's modeling all these out phase one, phase two and how it rolls over and rolls over and rolls over. Yeah. Um, you think in the, you think in the next phase one, you're, you've deployed phase two is going to be in May, which is you know not too far from now. Phase three is going to be in May. By then, do you think by June after a month of the, you know, after a month of operating all three phases, you'll be able to maybe present to the, to the, to the market a model for you for what you see? Yeah, I think I think so. We'll have a much clearer idea of throughput. 
we'll have a much more clear idea of our supply chain and uh, our, do, we, do we end up having supply chain limitations or not? And, or is, is the supply that we need right now, you know, nothing for our suppliers because they're making millions of units per month and, and we're using, you know, 25,000, you know, or, or whatever the number might be. So yeah, you're going to go way over 25,000 a month. That's for sure. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I, I would, I would expect so, but uh, cause I know the demand already, even in, in one market, never mind, you know, other, other markets. Yeah. So, you know, we, we are optimistic, of course. Um, I, I'm going to wait on the math. Uh, I know what our, revenue uh, structure looks like. I know what our cost structure looks like. So I know what our margin looks like. So what I can tell um, uh, listeners out there is we are not gouging the marketplace in any form, but we're also operating a business uh, where we represent shareholders and we need to ensure that we're operating profitably. This model, because yeah, if you go under, then you're not serving anybody anyways, if you're trying to run it too thin and be a charity, because you're not going to be able to afford it. And then people aren't going to get tested. Uh, uh, correct. Correct. So um, I can tell you right now that we have a very comfortable, strong uh, EBITDA model in our, our, in our pricing model. And the other thing that I'll say is I'm not afraid to flex the model. Um, if I find that our cost structures um, are increasing because the demand is so high, then, then I'll increase price accordingly. Um, I'm, I'm not afraid to change and react uh, based on the data that uh, is presented to me. So, you know, we're, we're going to operate this, you know, in a, in a nice EBITDA fashion. Um, again, respecting the need for society to get access to this. Uh, but we're, we're running a public company and uh, shareholders expect a, a return on investment. Uh, we believe this um, is a great use of our assets and we have the capability to deliver it. Um, today was the start of phase one. It's, it's live it's, uh, and uh, we're going to work hard every single day uh, on behalf of, of patients and shareholders and, and deliver these results. And look, last thing I'll say for everyone at home is this isn't just lip service. Empower is perfectly positioned to be able to do this because of the clinical foundation of the company to begin with. I could have Georgia's CBD cannabis company. I could be a great company with great efficiencies. I'm able to procure, I'm able to sell. But if I don't have that structure, I'm lost, right? There's just no way to do it. And here's Empower. You have the clinics. You have the entire process necessary to administer an antibody testing program is what you already have. And 98, 90, I mean, 99% of other small cap companies, small cap cannabis, CBD related companies just don't have. So I'm, um, you know, Steve, we've always had amazing interviews. I keep telling everyone you got to hear and watch Steve. He's, he's not the promotional guy. He's the Six Sigma certified CEO under, under Jack Welsh. This guy approaches it with military precision and I've always, that's why we've been banging the table on, on Empower for so long. But now as I watch this come together, my mind starts to think, my goodness, you, you might be walking into the absolute perfect Forrest Gump style storm, you know, when, when, when all the shrimping boats, you're, you're the only shrimping boat that could, that could do what had to be done. So I'm excited about what's possible. <laughs> and I don't say that a lot, but 
I'm excited, and I, and I think you are too. Yeah, we are. We are. We're you know, hey, we're thrilled. We're we're, we're hard workers. Uh, we're very uh, practical and pragmatic. Um, but uh, this is this is important work. This is life work, and so you know, it, it's a passion project for all of us as well. And uh, I, I think you know, I think we're onto something. And you know, we've 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 turned this around in a, in a very short period of time. Um, to make this service available and, and you can just imagine how many moving parts have to be coordinated to actually get to market with a new service and a new product offering. Um, it's not easy, but uh, uh, I've got the team to do it. I've got the leadership on the ground at the clinic layer. And, um, you know, we're just, I'm just pleased to be able to continue to tell um, the investor community and our shareholders and the capital markets community um, to, you know, pay attention to us. Um, keep following. Um, there's, we've got a lot of interesting things in our arsenal and we're starting to uh, potentially reap the rewards of all the restructuring and hard work that we've done over the last 14 to 15 months. Well, Steve, I'll let everyone have a sneak peek into a personal conversation between you and I, but when you and I first met, met through acquaintances and, and, and someone says, you need to meet Steve, he's walking into this firestorm at empower clinics he's but he's the guy who's going to be able to completely clean clean it up and move this company forward that was in january last year that was in january 2019 could you have ever imagined with the conversations we had the meetings we had the endless conversations how are you going to do this how are we going to do this that 16 months later you that you position empower to be the tip of the spear in terms of helping out america America's people, America's businesses with something so critical to getting the company back up, uh, the country back up its feet. I mean, even I didn't foresee that for you, but it doesn't surprise me at the same time. So man, congratulations, like Thank smile you, ear to ear, be proud of what you've done in 16 months that most people can do in 16 years. And we can't wait to have you back on, I don't know, whenever you're ready to tell us how phase one and phase two and phase three is going. But thanks for being with us, Steve. And I hope everyone at home has loved watching and hearing you. Thank you, George. Always appreciate the time. Thank you to your audience. And uh, yeah, keep on watching because uh, there will be a lot of updates coming because this is all moving so quickly for us. You've been watching Steve McCauley. He's CEO at Empower Clinics. The company trades on the CSE under the stock symbol CBDT. Best symbol, can't forget that. For our friends in the, UN, in the U.S. on the OTCQB under EPWCF. And of course, for our friends in Europe on Frankfurt under 8EC. You're all at home. You've got a lot of time on your hands. Do your due diligence, especially now that you've seen the news come out, the market reaction, and watching this interview or listen if you listen by podcast on Spotify or Google Podcasts as to where this company is going. Start that due diligence. Start the due diligence by getting to Agoracom, uh, punching the company's name on Empower Clinics, get to the profile, read through that, watch a couple of other interviews, but make sure, like Steve said, you're watching this company because it is unbelievably well positioned under unfortunate circumstances of what's going on in the world, but hey, someone's got to be there to help save it, and Empower is doing that and at the same time, uh, potentially doing great things for their patient shareholders. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Reminding you all the Stay safe, stay healthy, so you can all potentially find your next great small cap company in Empower Clinics. See you later.